All right, now we're going to, by the end of this series, we're going to have it down, right? <laughs> yes, yes. So, you know, the grace of God has changed my life, eternally changed my life. And I believe God's grace has changed many of your lives as well. And I will tell you, through the years, God's grace has surprised me at times, has overwhelmed me, and it has amazed me when the odds were stacked against me at different points. The grace of God has kept me moving when I wasn't sure what to do, when I wasn't sure there was even a way out. And God's grace has given me hope when, when I've been hurt and when I've been discouraged in, in life. And it has kept me walking and kept me moving on. In the next few weeks, my, my hope and prayer for all of you is that not only we learn about God's grace, but we experience God's grace and we let it move us in our lives. You know, when it comes to grace, I, I think it's a little bit of a foreign concept in our society. And uh, here, finish these phrases for me. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> you know, there, there's no such thing as a free, yeah, no pain. God helps those who which isn't scripture, by the way, but um, those are all things I believe most of us have grown up with. And I will tell you, God operates differently, you know, which makes it difficult, I think, to understand grace. It makes it difficult for us to accept grace, to experience grace. And most of all, I think it makes it very, very difficult to live in grace and to allow God's grace to move us in life. The psalmist writes this, it says, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You know, the Bible says that God, God is gracious. God, God loves to bless people people who are struggling in life, people who are ready to give up, people that have not earned it, people who do not deserve it, that God's grace is, the fact is, it is amazing grace. And God blesses people who absolutely don't deserve it. And when I, when I think about that, it gives me hope. And I, I believe it's something we ought to celebrate you know, God's grace can keep you walking, can keep you moving. God's grace is powerful, and once you experience it, I believe it will move you in life. And today what I want to do, and we're going to get really basic this morning, because I want to define grace because it's what this whole series is built on. The fact is you cannot experience the abundant life that Jesus Christ promised his followers until you understand grace and start living in grace. The, the grace of God, it, it's the heart of the Christian faith. It's the heart of the Christian's life. It's the heart of our relationship with God. And when you understand grace, I believe you feel closer to God. The, the more you understand grace, the more you're drawn 
to God, the more you will love God, and the more you will be thankful to God. See, God's grace, if you let it, it'll move you in life. So, so what, what's grace? What's grace? Well, it's kind of multifaceted. Uh, it's difficult to define. The, the fact is, I don't think any single definition really uh, does it justice, but one, one definition I, I grew up uh, hearing a lot was grace is God's love in action. You know, grace is uh, undeserved favor. You know, God gives us what we, we don't deserve in life. One of, one of my favorites is uh, grace is the face that God wears when he looks at my fel- failures and my problems. And that'll move you when you understand that. And there's a difference between, you understand the difference between mercy and grace? When, when you mess up, and we, we've all done it, we deserve punishment. But God has mercy on us. And so God does not give us what, what we deserve in life. Grace, on the other hand, God gives you what you don't deserve, The fact is, even though you've messed up, even though you don't deserve it, God blesses you anyway, and in spite of that. And I know many of you uh, would say, well, I I understand that. I'm saved by grace. I I get that. But here's what I've discovered as I spend time with people and talk to people, is although many Christ followers will say, I'm saved by grace, most do not comprehend that. It's not how they actually live in their life. They're unsure all the time about their relationship with God. They're always feeling like they're, they're not quite right, that they're, they're not uh, really saved. The fact is, too many Christ followers live thinking and acting like they're saved by works. You know, that they got to do something. You know, for too many, their spiritual life becomes this futile effort of trying to be perfect or trying to be good enough in their life. They they see God like an unpleasable parent that, you know, is kind of keeping tabs, you know, marking the grade book, so to speak. Oh, that was good. That was really good. I'm going to write that down. Way to go. Wow. Bad, really bad. I'm making a notation. We'll put the video clip in there and we'll keep it and show it to them later. Some of you have a lot of video clips, right? Too many people, that's how they look at their faith, and they think that somehow they're going to earn God's approval. Too many people live with this feeling that one day they're in, you know, got it together. And then the next day, they're out. You know, too many people, they're, they're never really secure in, in their relationship with God. And I've had people through the years, they go, you know, I, I hope I die when, when I'm really good. You know, when, when I'm on a spiritual high and I feel really close to God. You know, when, when I'm fairly clean in, in my life. And in fact, is people worry about that they might die when they've just messed up. You know, when they've done something really bad in their life, they worry about that, that thought that they had or that lie that they told or they're, they're worried that they're, they'll leave this world when they've hurt someone or done something really stupid. And friends, I will tell you, that is not living in grace. 
When you start living in grace, it changes things and it moves you to a different place. You, you will find it brings you great joy to live in grace. It brings great joy into your life. It's liberating. It's freeing. And although you may have been a Christ follower for 20 or 30 years, I believe it is quite possible that you've been missing the greatest gift of grace, and that is living in grace. Living in grace. And it is essential that you uh, not only understand grace, but that you experience it. You know, that you feel it on a daily basis, that you enjoy it, that you live in it, and you let the grace of God move you to a different place. You know, the grace of God, it eliminates guilt. Grace of God, it allows you to break free from the fear of messing up in life, not being good enough. You know, it gives you the power to deal with the struggles in life. You know, the grace of God gives you the strength to see things through when you feel like giving up. Some some of you just needed to hear that this morning. God's grace can get you through. God's grace will give you strength to face uncertainties in life. It gives you the ability to defeat doubts, the power to extend grace to other people and forgive them and love them. In fact, the grace of God, it will give you the capacity to reach your God-given potential, who God created you to be. So, so how can we live in grace? Well, I thought I would uh, kind of break this down, make it easy to remember. I'm going to use the acrostic grace so, it's, so that we can remember it. I, I was uh, reminded of a story of a professor from Yale. He was speaking, and he was talking about what a, a Yale student is. And so he decided to use the acrostic Yale. And so he talked about their, their life and their attributes as students. So Y, it was about being young, and A was about being adventurous, and L was about being loyal, and E was about enthusiasm. And he, and he talked for almost two hours to the group. And when he, when he finished, he caught one of his students. He goes, hey, what did you think of my speech? And the student said, well, I, I thank God that I didn't go to Massachusetts Institute of Technology. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I promise not to go for two hours. <laughs> I did think about the wonderful matchless grace of Jesus as my acrostic, but uh, don't freak out. I'll, I'm going to stay with grace. Stay with grace. You know, Paul writes in Romans, he says, but by the free gift of God's grace, all are put right with him through Christ Jesus, who sets them free. G, it is a gift from God. Grace is a gift from God. It is a free gift from God. And again, I think that's kind of a foreign uh, concept for us because most people believe that you work hard for what you get. You know, there, there, there's no gain without, without the pain you know, gain comes when we improve ourselves somehow. And what happens is, and that, that stuff's fine, but that mentality, it kind of spills. You know, most people believe when you look at how they live, they believe they are saved by works. That we can earn our way to heaven. That we can be good enough. 
that God's kind of keeping score on us. Do you ever think about it this way? People, people describe, they say, well, God's keeping score. And so when we've done more good than bad, what happens is the scale kind of tips in, in our favor. In fact, I, I believe if I went out on the street right now and was to just stop people, it randomly stop them and go, hey, how, how do you get to heaven? We'd hear a lot of different answers, but I think many people would say, well, you've got to be a good person. You've got to do more good in this world than, than bad. And if you do that, then, then God will say, hey, come on in. Friends, it's all based on works, not grace. God's word says that salvation is absolutely free. You cannot earn it. You cannot be good enough. You cannot work for it. You cannot buy it. It is a free gift. And friends, that is the fundamental difference between Christianity and other religions. Christianity is the only faith that's based on God's grace. Every other faith, they go a whole different route. You know, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam. You, you earn your way. You earn paradise. You know, bliss, nirvana. You earn God's approval. You earn whatever their version of, of heaven is. You earn it. It's based on your works. It's based on doing good things. The fact is, you earn it by, by keeping the rules, by following the regulations, the, the rituals, the whatever. And there's always something that you have to do to gain salvation. All other faiths, if I was to break them down into one word, it would be do. You have to do something. Christianity, on the other hand, Christianity, one word, done. Done. It's already been done for you. It was done on the cross by Jesus Christ. Jesus paid for your salvation. Jesus paid for your sins. Your debt has already been settled with God. And that's why when Jesus is hanging on the cross, one of his last words was, it is finished. And you notice Jesus didn't say, I'm finished, because he wasn't finished. But he says, it is finished. You know, what's the it? Your salvation was finished. The plan to provide God's grace to everyone, it is finished. God says, here it is. Here's salvation. It's free. It's yours. You just have to take it. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. You simply accept it's a free gift, a free gift of grace, free gift of grace. Paul, Paul says this, he says, for it is by grace that we've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works. There's an emphasis there, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, our, we receive God's grace by faith. You know, grace is a free gift. You just have to receive it in, in faith. You know, if, if I were to, uh, I've got $20 here. Anybody going to lunch today? All right, all right, all right. Okay, here you go. I'm going to give you 20 bucks. Go to lunch. Come get it. Now, now, here's the deal. If it sits here, you know, I could sit here and hold this 
but unless you come and receive it, (laughs) unless you come and receive it, it'll stay here, stay in my hand. You you have to have faith that I'm going to give it to you. And I gave it to you, and you tried to do something else, but I don't know, so... (laughs) It moved you, didn't it? (laughs) Uh, Friends, salvation, it's a gift. It's a gift. You can't brag about it. You can't brag about, hey, this is what I did to earn this. The fact is, if you could work your way to heaven, and some of you think you're doing that, if you could work your way to heaven, it would mess heaven up. It really would. Because you know what would happen in heaven? Everybody would be bragging about how they got there. You know, trying to outdo each other. Well, you think you did something good. Let me tell you what I did when I was on the earth. And I did this and this and this. And, you know, I was a great person. And the fact is, it would just mess everybody up, you know. They'd be telling all these stories about how good they were on earth. And it just, it would mess it up. The fact is, friends... We are saved by grace. We're saved by grace. It is a free gift of salvation, of forgiveness, of heaven. It's a free gift, but you got to accept it. You got to accept it. So, what do you do with a gift? Well, can't brag about how you got it, you just have to accept it and be grateful and celebrate it. You know, Paul, Paul says this, he says, so the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it. The promise is salvation is what they're talking about. God promised salvation. Salvation is not based on my performance. Salvation is based on God's promise to us. Salvation isn't based on my goodness. It's based on the goodness of God, and it's based on God's grace. I am not getting to heaven based on my good deeds. I'm getting to heaven based on God's mercy and God's grace. The fact is, God gets all the credit for your salvation and mine. God gets all the glory all the worship, there is nothing I can do but receive that free gift. You know, the Bible, if you read through, you find all kinds of stories illustrating what grace looks like. And one of my favorite is in the Old Testament, uh, 2 Samuel 9, and just kind of set up the situation. Saul's king, he's king of Israel at that point. David has been anointed to be the new king. Saul did not like that. He was jealous, and basically he didn't want to give up the throne. And David's best friend was Jonathan, who happened to be Saul's son. Awkward, very awkward. Jonathan catches David. In fact, uh, he says, David, my dad's planning to kill you. He's got a plan. He's going to kill you. 
And the last time that, that David and Jonathan are together, they, they're talking with each other, and they make a promise to one another that when one of them dies, the other one will take care of the other's family. David ends up being a fugitive for years and years and years. He's on the run. He's, he's hiding. Saul's trying to kill him. And finally, there comes a point where Saul and Jonathan are both killed in battle. David becomes king. And when David becomes king, all of Saul's relatives, they freak out. I mean, they're afraid. You know, they're thinking, okay, Saul tried to kill David. We're relatives to Saul. David's going to kill us. And, and that was the common practice in that day. So all of Saul's relatives, they're, they're hiding. They're, they're trying to escape. They're running for cover. One of them is, is a young child. Young child. It's Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. He's, he's being carried. He's so little. And this nurse is running with him. And she's trying to escape. And somehow, and I don't really understand it all, but she, she runs, she drops him and breaks both of his legs. And they never heal upright. So he he's, leaves him unable to walk. Now you fast ramp, years and years later. David finally is settling in and, and he begins reminiscing And then he remembers this promise that he made to Jonathan. And so he asks his court, he says, is there anybody, is there anybody still out of Saul's household that I could show kindness to? That I could show grace is the actual word used there. And they go, well, yes, David, there there is. There's a young man, he's he's not able to walk, you know, and, and... David, you could go, go help him. And so David says, bring him to me. Now I want you to think about the fear factor here. They show up, they find this young man, and they escort him back. King wants to see you. I imagine as they're escorting him back, he is worried. He's thinking... They're going to kill me. They're going to kill my family. He arrives. David extends grace. He says, I'm going to take you in. I'm going to make you part of my family. You can live here in the palace for the rest of your life. I'm going to treat you like you're one of my own. Friends, that's grace. That's grace. God comes to us where we are. You know, when we're broken, when when we're unable to deal with life, when we're afraid, and God says, you know what? I'm going to bring you into my family. I'm going to treat you like royalty. I'm going to consider you my own. And it says it over and over throughout Scripture. And friends, I will tell you, that kind of grace, when it meets you where you are, it will move you in life. A, it's available to everyone. God does not play favorites. 
God does not look at your background or your status or your sin or whatever it is that you think is going to get you in or out. God doesn't pay attention to any of that. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's no quota in heaven. Everyone can call on Christ to be their Savior. It doesn't reach just a certain nationality. It doesn't reach just, just really religious people. It doesn't just go to those that are really good or really smart. The fact is, God says, anyone and everyone who calls on my name shall be saved. Everyone who has faith in Jesus Christ shall be saved. See, Christ makes it possible. Christ makes it possible. Grace is possible because of Jesus Christ. Grace is possible. Salvation is possible because of Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. You know, John 1, 17, John says, the law was given through Moses. He's talking about Old Testament law. Law that, that convicts us. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Why Jesus Christ? Why, why Jesus? Why is he the only way? Because he paid the price. Because he paid the price for your sins and mine. Because he paid for it on the cross. Because nobody else paid the price. The fact is, grace is free. There is no doubt about that. It is free gift. But it was not cheap. It cost Jesus Christ his life. A painful death on the cross. See, the law, the law tells me when I've done something wrong. I can read God's laws and go, yeah, I broke that one. See, the law reminds me and whispers, you blew it. You messed up. The law convicts. It will rule you out. But grace says, I've got you covered. I've got a way back. You're forgiven. Let's move in the right direction now. You know, Paul, Paul says this. He says, many receive God's gift of life by the grace of this other man. See, he just got done comparing Adam who, who brought death into the world to Jesus Christ that, that brings life. You know, one of, one of my favorite terms in the New Testament, and it's uh, used over and over to talk about Christ followers and, and Christians, but it's in Christ, it's the term. It's used like 120 times in the New Testament. It refers to someone who's found salvation through God's grace that they're in Christ. That's being in Christ. And friends, when I look at, at my life, and I know the things that I've done that are wrong, things that, that I knew at the time were going to disqualify me, things that, that messed up my life, things that I'm ashamed of. I don't want anybody to know. Things that I've done that have hurt people, that have hurt me. Things I've thought, things I've done. Friends, when, it, when I look back at the accumulative mess, there is no chance I'm getting to heaven. I mean, not, not only is my life not perfect, I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's just been sad. 
But the Bible says when you come to God in full and complete surrender and say, God, I'm yours. I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I accept the free gift that you offer. Then God puts me in Christ. And that's a good place to be. Because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Christ. In Christ, my imperfections are covered with Christ's perfection. You know, my my shame, it's covered with Christ's glory. You know, in Christ, my mess is covered by Christ's majesty in life. And when God looks at those that are in Christ, you know what God sees? He sees Jesus' perfection. He doesn't see all your mess. Let's see, it's so different than how we operate. You know, Paul writes in Galatians, he says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law would make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. In other words, if we could save ourselves... If we could get to heaven on our own merits, on all of our good deeds that we're going to do, the cross was a waste. And I will tell you, you're either going to get to heaven in Christ, or you're not getting there at all. It's, that, it's just that simple. Salvation is a free gift, but you've got to accept it. And you've got to accept it in faith and understand that you can't work for it. Grace is what God does for us. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ, only Jesus Christ, period. And that kind of grace is experienced now, right now, the moment you accept Christ, and throughout eternity. You know, Paul, Paul says this, he says, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that free gift thing just keeps coming up. God's grace impacts not just your past, not just the day you accept Jesus as your Savior, but it impacts your present, your future, your eternity. The fact is God's grace keeps giving and giving and giving and giving. And I know every time I talk on the, this topic, I, people will say to me in very similar uh, conversations, but Damon, you don't know what I've done. If I, if I bring this mess that I call my life, if I bring it to God, it, it's not going to play well. You know, God, God's going to judge me and God's going to condemn me because I know what I've done. And friends, I, if that is where you are today, if that's what you're thinking, I want to tell you you're absolutely wrong. You're wrong. That's what grace is about. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. You know, in John 8, the, there's a story uh, told of a woman that gets caught in the, the act of adultery. And the religious leaders, they, they drag her into the street and they throw her at the feet of Jesus. I mean, she's earned a reputation, She slept around. Everybody in the community knew it. She's laying in the dirt. 
I, I can't even imagine the guilt and the shame that, that was there. She expects that Jesus is going to condemn her. The religious leaders, they're banking on that Jesus will, will condemn her. And so they bring her before Jesus and, they, and they're like, she violated God's law. They probably even named the verse and the, the point. We caught her in bed with someone. It wasn't her husband. The law says, it commands us, Jesus, that we should stone her. What do, what do you think we ought to do, Jesus? I mean, they're trying to trip him up. Jesus looks at the crowd. He, he realizes they were wanting some kind of an answer. And Jesus says, all right, whoever has never sinned, you throw, you throw the first stone. And I don't know how long it took. The scripture records that one by one they, they drop their stones and they walk away. And there's a moment where it's just Jesus and, the, and this woman. And I'm sure Jesus saw the guilt and the shame. He says to her, he says, where are your accusers at? And apparently she hadn't probably even been looking up, but she begins to look around. She says, they're all gone, Lord. And Jesus says very, two very profound things to her. Stands out every time I read the story. He says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. That's all Jesus said. Friends, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you are expecting to experience judgment and condemnation when you come to God, you absolutely do not understand grace. You don't get it. And you've got to get this. You know, Isaiah says, Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious. Longs to be gracious to you. And therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. When you, when you come to God in full and complete surrender, get this, God will not condemn you. God takes away the guilt. God takes away the shame. God wants to be gracious to you. He longs, he waits, he, and everything in him to forgive. He's, he's not looking to go, oh, let me tell you the other sins you've been up to. No, he wants you to just acknowledge and accept the gift. And when he looks at you, he's not going to see all that junk, and we all have it. He's going to see the Savior, Jesus Christ. God's nature, his desire is to bless undeserving people. And none of us deserve. But God's going to meet us where we are and love us. You know, amazing grace, amazing grace. Friends, 
That's what's available today and every day. And I challenge you to let it, let it move you. Let it move you. You know, let, let's, let's bow in a word of prayer to God. Our holy God, I thank you for your grace. And God, I know that there are some here today that um, they've been trying to work their way, trying to be good enough. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just move in and just knock down all that stuff and just whisper, all you got to do is accept. Accept God's grace. God, I know there's some that need to do that today. God, where they're at, I just... Uh, just pray that uh, they'd say, yes, Lord, I want that. And that they'd experience that. They'd feel the change. And God, I know there are others that... Um, They've just been pushing God off and pushing off their relationship, not sure they're ready, not sure. God, I pray that today that they'd hear your call, that they would call on the name of Jesus. Just where they're sitting right now, they'd just say, I want that, Jesus. I want that. Today'd be a new day. New beginning. God, your love, it it never fails. Your love, it's always waiting to to meet us where we are, no matter what we've done. God, I thank you for that grace. I pray that we would live in that grace every day. God, we give you the glory this day with all we say and do. God's people said, There'll be prayer teams down front. You know, maybe we're saying, yes, Jesus, today. You know, I'm tired of trying to come down and let the teams pray for you. You know, maybe for some of you it was, I'm going to accept Christ as my Savior. I'm going to start that walk. Come down and let them pray for you. All you have to say, new day. You know, if you've been trying to live and do the works and all that, just tell them you want a new day. And if it's a... I'm giving my life to Christ, say, I want Jesus as my Savior. That's all you got to say. Let him pray for you today. So let, let's stand. Let, let's worship together.